From Yoga and Ayurveda Living, I am Kelly Marie Mills. This is The Dosha Life, a podcast for wellness seekers, curators of happiness, and lovers of healthy living. This podcast is for people interested in tools, remedies, and ancient wisdom coming from Yoga and Ayurveda. Welcome to my happy place. This is series four, Ayurveda on. You are on Ayurveda on weight. It's a sensitive subject, and today is less about doing and more about understanding which needs to come first, and seeing follows, which helps with developing compassion and kindness. Ayurveda sees weight for what it is. The material body is developed for each dosha to move with balanced function, or what we call homostasis in the modern world. The balance or dysfunction of one reflects and affects all of them. In a ridiculously simple view of how weight and doshas are, pure type dosha prakriti are rare in this modern era. Dual types are more the norm, and with health being a priority for many, even tridoshic prakriti is not as unusual as it was before. Prakriti is covered in series one. Awareness, food, fitness, health, have all helped the modern world find better balance in their biological nature. But that's all the cart. Let's go back to the horse. Basically, Ayurveda sees that vata has difficulty holding weight, and some find it so very hard to gain weight, it's so, so difficult for them. Pittas have a moderate weight for most of the time, and when they set their mind to it, they can lose weight for an event that they're looking forward to. And then they might gain some back. Not so much yo-yoing, because they tend to remain a moderate weight through their life unless they deviate and start eating more salty, sour, oily foods. Kaphas are the ones that have difficulty reducing weight. In opposition to vata, they also find it a seriously difficult struggle. But they find it a struggle to lose weight. They're always finding new ways to see if one diet or the other will be the one to lose a part of what they have more of earth and water, and it's an extremely difficult task and can often be heart-wrenching. So that's how Ayurveda sees weight, just that simple, but it doesn't mean it's easy. And now we have the modern world, and it has added the basic view of weight, where it is complicated by shape, comparison, and image, and one thing is for sure, image sells. Weight is a subject that for some creates triggers of emotional response, conditioned belief patterns blended together with our dosha balance or our imbalance. The tender balance of our body weight is a combination of many factors, and we cannot forget that. If we do, we could become really obsessive about our weight. And what's worse, even if we are in total doshic balance, we still may not appreciate our weight. That's what I love about Ayurveda. It helps us appreciate who we are and how our dosha is. We may not appreciate our weight because, as children, we were told this or that. And we saw things on TV, ads on TV, TV shows, that had this effect of making us feel less unless we were a certain size. This is the modern culture, that we should be a certain shape, fit into certain suits, dresses, jeans, shirts, trousers, socks, hats. And once we see our body as something that needs to be altered to fit someone else's view, including our own condition patterns, we stop seeing weight for what it really is. Weight is a support 
for balanced body function. For me, as a pizza kaffa type, I like to think of weight as an anchor for my mind and my emotions. And if my mind and emotions had their way, I would never ever sit down, always scattered here and there, dithering about in vata vikriti movement. But weight keeps us just as we should be, here on this earth, right now. So before we go any further, I believe we should start with with what the <laughs> sorry. It's very early in the morning. <laughs> with <laughs> I believe we should start with whatever collection of ideas each of us holds about our body shape. So this is a bit of a challenge, but whatever you're doing right now, just review in your mind with these inquiries. How do you feel when you look in a full-length mirror? And what type of body do you see? More importantly, who is looking in the mirror? Who do you see? And whatever comes to your mind, are these judgments that you took on from others? Or are they thoughts that have come from you, inside you, from the collective of our culture? Or have you freed yourself and just allowed yourself to be you? Why am I asking those? I really believe as much as our body has balance and imbalance, our mind does too. It's an Ayurvedic and yoga view. It's super important to understand what we do see rather than not acknowledge our own view. Because how we feel about this picture we present in the world is related to how we feel, how we show up, and this is related to the first three chakras and how they support us. We can go days without seeing with awareness who this is standing in front of us. Yet if we saw a friend or someone we care about, some of us would remark, oh, you look so nice. Oh my gosh, you look really, really tired. Oh my gosh, she looks exhausted. Is everything okay? Are you doing well? Gosh, you look brilliant. Your hair looks so lustrous. And for men, I'm not really sure what men would say, but you know, they're like, well, how's it going? And I think that's a good sign. At least for me, when I notice that someone is looking sparkly or someone is looking tired, I do tend to remark on it. And sometimes I wonder, maybe I shouldn't have said anything. But it's just that I believe that if we express things, then it doesn't stay in us. And then I won't have to say, gosh, I wish I had said that because she looked absolutely brilliant today. Or gosh, I wish I hadn't said that. And then she needed a little bit of support or maybe just needed someone to ask how she or he is. Sorry, I do have men friends too. (laughs) So uh, anyway... I often have to remind myself that when I look in the mirror to say, hello, gal, how are you? And often the response is, oh, my God, you're looking so tired and (laughs) baggy-eyed. Because if I have a pesto sauce, definitely that makes me baggy-eyed unless I make it myself. And most of the time when I look in the mirror and I see that I am looking tired or fatigued, I know that it's due to work. And so I do these remedies in the evening to help counterbalance the screen time. But how about sometime this week? take time to stand in front of the mirror you know it's only going to take like a minute really I would suggest three minutes and it can be full-length mirror or not and challenge yourself to not leave until you can see three things that other people see in you maybe not all physical traits but also within you what do they see what makes them want to give you a hug what makes them want to love you more you know just give yourself a chance to try it and see how it feels to view yourself from someone else's 
outside view of what they love about you. And I guarantee you that it's not your shape or your size that they love you for. And I do not believe that we have to love ourselves for our shape or our size. We have to allow our doshas to be balanced as much as possible, to love our body as it is because it's brought us here safely so far. We've got this far and we were surviving a pandemic. So whatever shape we are has helped to keep us here and keep us safe. So if you did do either of those challenges looking in the mirror, let me know by email or text or, or you can go to Instagram and send me a little note there or a DM as they call it. So as you look in the mirror or you can visualize doing this too, you don't actually have to do it in the mirror, but I think doing it in the mirror is a really good exercise. Seeing yourself standing in front of the mirror, you are now face to face with quite a unique person. Do you see that person that others care about? Do you see the value that you have as part of your community, loyal to relationships, supportive and caring to those that you love? And you know what? Not so bad looking either, are ya? And in their eyes, you are not defined by weight or shape. You are cared for, in fact, just because you are you, dear to them, and they know they are dear to you. What's wonderful is that for the most part, we see our loved ones as weightless and light. We don't see them as a specific size or shape. We do feel their energy as feeling bright some days and heavy on others, which are, is the emotions and the minds showing up. But we all care about each person for caring's sake. Many of our beliefs and patterns are coming from somewhere outside of our own being a collective stream of ideas that has become a society and for most of us also a cultural view. But to be fair, the healthy view of our body is really creeping in and very dominant with the younger generation. They've done a lot of hard work, especially coming from the schools, to develop better body image for everyone. But I do think that a lot of these young adults and young people have worked hard to develop a better body consciousness for inclusivity and clarity. I find it's the older generation, there's still often a weighty matter that lingers. And it can show up in unexpected places, even in myself, these old views of things that my parents would have said to me or to my sister. So today we just really briefly look at a new view on seeing how we are just ourselves through our doshas, our material body, and a little tip on your diet. When we talk about weight in Ayurveda and yoga, we meet another large and vital component of this traditional science. It's really so hard to believe it's 5,000 years old and still is a valuable preventative medicine. And second of all, is well able to reverse many imbalances. There is a but though, and you all know it. This health system works best if the user is willing to do the work. And to be honest, I think every medicine is similar. Doctors of modern medicine, they want their patients to find healthy ways for self-care. But anyway, Ayurveda sees that weight is helped by our nutrition, obviously, but it's not all about food. It's about how we feed the body and the mind and what we feed body and mind. One of the unique things about Ayurveda is that Ayurveda believes that we need six tastes for a healthy diet. The six tastes of Ayurveda guide us to health, and without having all six tastes in our diet, imbalance is sure to come in our digestive system. 
So if you listen to series two on digesting our life, that means it's ama, and ama is an accumulation of toxicity. So from the six tastes, we gain intelligence of what is best for our body. And what happens as we learn to eat for our body balance? We start to see first the speed in which we eat. Just a pop quiz. Which dosha do you think eats the fastest? There is no prize for that. Fast eating means less chewing and more swallowing. This isn't great for our digestive power. In fact, it's quite damaging to it. And it's not really what our teeth are for. We are meant to chew a good bit to help the first enzyme function alert the digestion of what's coming down the tunnel and reminding all of you of that old saying, your stomach doesn't have teeth. But it always makes me cringe because it's so true. And it's one of my habits that I find very difficult to come out of is mindless eating. And for Ayurveda, we should have best effect for food that we take in as we eat with awareness. And eating without awareness develops this ama too. The translation of ama is undigested food, which lurks in the corners of the weak parts of our digestive system. And so then it vitiates whatever dosha rules that part of our digestion. So stomach is kapha, small intestine is pitta, and colon is, is vata. What Ayurveda says and knows is that our eating habits are just as important as our food choices. You can't really fix one or work with one and not work with the other. They have to be worked together. So it's like when you're having a really nice veggie burger, homemade, and you're really looking forward to having a little bit of it. And suddenly you're sitting down and then you realize you didn't get your glass of water. And you go to sit back down and you find that there's a piece of it taken out and you're like, where did that go? And <laughs> since I live on my own, like, I can't blame anyone else now for taking a, pe- a big bite out of it. So it obviously was me. And if it was Tara, it would have been completely gone because she wouldn't have left it down for a moment. <laughs> this is a vata moment of eating where we're in our mind and we're just putting something in our mouth to fill the stomach for the pitta digestion, which gets super hungry and eats super fast. There's the answer to that pop quiz question. The not taking time to chew means that the enzymes don't have time to register food is coming and not giving time to digest it, or else we're rushing off to do something else to get something else done, and we still feel hungry because we haven't chewed our food properly. And if we chew our food properly, the stomach recognizes that it's full. Whereas when we're eating so fast, the stomach is just getting an overload and is trying to chew our food since we didn't chew it. So it slows down the digestive process and we could easily still feel hungry because the digestion has slowed down so much. So we're gonna start here with these tips. Try not to get overwhelmed. These are just short ideas for you to use. And this is just about the food. This is a huge, huge subject in Ayurveda, but I want to give you some ideas. And then you can go over them again and Google what that means, what these mean. Okay, so I'll tell you what I mean when we go down. Remember that one of the main key rules of Ayurveda is like increases like and opposites reduce. If you have a dominant dosha present, like vata, you should seek foods, you should seek foods that have less space and air within them. That's because we need less air and space because that's what vata is. Vata is air and space, movement and dryness. 
what we should turn towards if we have a vata problem, so bloating in our digestion or constipation, you turn towards taste of neutral, like grains, sour, like things that have been transformed, and of course salty. Salty is just salty, but that doesn't mean you overdose on salt in your food. Because vata is made of space and air, we steer away from dry, cold, light foods. Air and space make things dry, cold, and weightless. So the things, just a brief idea, things that are dry, cold, and weightless, lettuce, crackers, that kind of flimsy sort of food. Things that are hard to chew, like peanuts are very hard to chew and masticate, so it makes it harder for them to digest. Things that are hard to digest affect vata, so what really works good for vata are stews, cooked stews. So cooking is like a pre-digestive practice. So when you have vata problems, you rarely ever eat anything raw like fruit or veg that you try and slightly pre-cook them if you're going to have them even slightly raw. Pitta seek foods that have less fire and water because pitta is made of heat and oil, and so we avoid food sources of the same. So pitta types should turn towards tastes of neutral, like grains, bitter leafy veg, and astringent things, like certain fruits and vegetables. Pitta is made of fire and water, so we steer away from spicy, oily, sour foods. Fire and water eventually become spicy and hot, oily and sour, so that's why we're saying that. Sour is the heat-generating transformation, like any food that has been changed or fermented. So changes like um, yogurt and it comes from one thing and turned into yogurt and cheese is the same, that it's come from one thing and changed into something else. Kombucha and strong vinegars, they're too heating. They're actually very warming. Kombucha, I think, is okay, but it's just an example of something that's fermented that all of us can relate to in the modern world. And even using kombucha, if you look into it, I think you're supposed to have it like once or twice a week because of the healthy bacteria which it gives the digestive system. So really, pizzas, they need to avoid oily, sour, and fiery foods, you know, like chilies and things like that. But sometimes when they're out of balance, they love chilies. They love feeling that excess heat. And kapha types, they need to seek foods that have less water and earth. Since kapha develops phlegm or tissue and is the sticky cohesion for the body, we need to turn towards things that help keep it balanced or break it up. So they're the lighter things. So it's like pungent, bitter, and astringent. And kapha is made of earth and water, so we divert from the heavy foods of animal products especially red meat and dairy, because red meat and dairy are more like kapha already. Dairy is very kapha in every way, so all these heavy nourishing foods are the things that kapha doesn't need more of. Just keep in mind that Ayurveda considers food as medicine, and we need to be discerning when we're starting to change our diet. Do it with respect and awareness of how our body feels inwardly and how our body feels as a whole functioning system. Headaches and withdrawal symptoms in Ayurveda are not a very good tool to gauge how we're doing. Ayurveda believes that if you're getting headaches, it's often too severe a withdrawal from certain foods. One of the key things to remember is that sugar is just such a big no-no in, in all aspects. Any, any food science would tell you that. 
the only sugar that is useful or the only sugar like food is honey, stevia, and jaggery. Now, we wouldn't be familiar with the, the last two, but most of us are very familiar with honey. And honey is good for all of the doshas, but even for kapha, they don't need much honey. And the honey they should go towards is the older honey because it's drier, it's less moisturizing. So just even if you just tried some of those ideas and you just check out what sour fruits are, what pungent foods are, how could you get bitter in, and the tastes that we need are sweet, sour, salty. Those are the three that most people in the modern world get way too much of. And the last three are the ones that all of us need on a daily basis in small amounts, pungent, bitter, and astringent. So if you Google those, Google what foods that you can source these from, and consider trying to bring them in in small ways in your diet. Then what happens is, when you discover the six tastes, it's a wild road. It involves re-educating your taste buds. And one of the first things I notice when I, because I continually go back to it, because I do kind of veer off a little bit and then I come back again, is that the cravings for whatever it is that I love, they go quite quickly because the whole activity of food nourishment is aimed at dosha balance and health rather than what my personality mind desires. So our tastes reflect how we digest our life lessons. And this is why meditation can help soothe our senses and our digestion by working with our mind. As we grow into ourselves, no matter how old you are, our desires grow up and we become much more responsible for how we feel in our organs, in our digestion, as much as in our mind and our emotions. And as we become more responsible, we no longer aim to just fill a void or, or have gratification for that big piece of chocolate brownie, but knowing that we could have a little bit of it and maybe save another bit of it for another day. And I know some of you are going, if I had a brownie in front of me, I would not cut it in half. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think that it can be a really good lesson. And we know that we're only going to have a small bit. Just take that small bit and savor it for the space of like three minutes. So to have smaller pieces of it and say that that's enough for today. That's how I work with it, especially when I'm weaning off of sugary things. And what you find then is that you're waking up easier because the, the refined sugar is less dominant in the liver. So this is just a skim of a very deep and interesting road for balancing our mind and body. We'll do more on this, but in this series, I'm kind of popping into different subjects. I hope you enjoyed this. And thanks so much for spending time with me. And I do want to say thank you to all of you for rating this podcast, all of you who have downloaded this podcast, which really helps with the visibility for other people to find this podcast easier. And it's so exciting to feel that maybe this is helping others find that health is a lifestyle choice and health is a gift to be unwrapped slowly. And I look forward to chatting to you in the next episode. Just wanted to send a thank you to Leah Wilmot, who gave a really nice review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much, Leah. And AJOS05121 from Canada said, a great podcast. I feel very relaxed after Monday's meditation, and it's the perfect length. Thank you so much, AJ. I really, really appreciate the time it took to write such a lovely review on Apple Podcasts. Here you will find Monday's Meditations, Tuesday's Episodic Series, Friday's Relaxations, Interviews with Very Cool People. There's spiels from Kelly, that's me, on bits that she forgot to say, very normal, or has to say. 
and Kelly's own are surprise bits and things that you need to know. If you want to help, the best thing to do is download the episodes. Subscribe, follow, rate, review, all help. Thank you to everyone listening, and let me know if you received anything from this that helped you. Let me know if you have a question that I can answer in this podcast. Biggest thanks to Leah Wilmot, who is the creative of all drawings and scheming, to Laura Lowry for her wonderful graphics. Most of all, I thank the Vidyas who have opened my mind and helped me to bring this information to a wider, loving audience. They also helped me somehow wrangle with my own capacity to deal with podcasts and production. But for now, I look forward to chatting to you in the next episode.